to God's word in Philippians. And, and today, we're, we're, we should be done with Philippians. And it's been a great, great journey, and I'm excited about it. Um, next Sunday, Proverbs. We're getting into Proverbs. And I'm excited about that, too. It's going to be good. Um, I want to share about wisdom and, and what, it, what it means to pursue a heart of wisdom. So just as a summary of last, went, uh, last Sunday, how we act when we're under pressure really reveals a lot about us uh, when we get our way, when we don't get our way. Boy, stuff can come out and we can really, um, really expose just the kind of relationship we have with Christ. So now today we're digging into the next paragraph and we're going to tie it off. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. And by the way, um, can, 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 can you kind of own this with me? Hey, Suzanne, Jeff. Gosh, good to see you guys. Um, I don't talk a lot about money, okay? And it, it is it's a sensitive subject, and I'm kind of awkward about that and a number of things that are sensitive. And what I've, what I've chosen to do is uh, not find out what the church gossip is and then let that be the outline for my sermon. That's never good. Find out what the gossip is and make that the outline of your sermon. Don't like that. I think it's dangerous stuff. And I don't make a good Holy Spirit, by the way, in case you had noticed that. Uh, but what I really like to do is when I pick a book, I feel like God leads me to a book like Philippians, just to teach through it. And, and if it speaks about money, I speak about money. If it speaks about, about relationships, I, I teach on relationships. Let the text bring up the agenda. Is that fair? Let the text bring it up. So guess what? It brings it up today. And, but it's really interesting how it goes about it. And, and uh, it's going to be a thing filled with grace. So what I want to do is, is give you a little bit of backstory about the letter and how it's constructed and gift giving and thank you notes. Um, uh, by the way, Lisa and I uh, publicly want to go on record how thankful we are for you. And I know Steve and Rebecca would too. But, but particularly me and Lisa, thank you guys for, for all that you do. Uh, it is truly amazing. And I, and I still... And uh, I don't know, I'm just in awe, and you guys kind of take my breath away to see how God's at work here. Um, is it, for some of us, it's hard to say thank you, right? Writing a thank you note, um, sometimes gifts giving is a little embarrassing, and, and we have, you know, we have something for you, and it's a gift, and, you know, you just feel a little embarrassed, and those kinds of things. Sometimes the giving and the receiving of gifts can be awkward. Sometimes it's timely, and it's the most beautiful God-ordained thing, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, and, then, and then this ability to say, thank you for what you've done. Uh, it's powerful. How you say thank you is powerful, right? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, on how can we give a wise discerning kind of thank you. Um, so quick pop quiz. Ready for the psych pop quiz? Are all motives healthy in gift giving? Brian, I got the no. The cop said no. Have you ever had a bribe? Hey, hey cop, let me go. Here's, here's 500 bucks. Let me go. You wouldn't take it anyway because you're just awesome that way. But sometimes not all gifts given are given with the best motives. Fair enough? Right? How about this one? Are all thank yous given given with the best motives? <clears throat> Sometimes a gift can be a bit manipulative. Sometimes a thank you can be a bit manipulative, how you word things. All right, I'm setting you up. You ready for this? 
Paul's in prison. He's 800 miles away. There's been a big gap of the unknown between Paul and the church and a lot of stress. And so they send a Rambo dude named Epaphroditus to find out about how Paul is. And he gets sick on the way, recovers, manages to make the trip, finds out about Paul. And in that whole exchange brings a really substantial gift from the Philippians to Paul. And what's unique, Galen, is that a lot of scholars say if Philippians is his attempt at writing a thank you letter, it's odd because it's a thankless thank you letter that he writes. In fact, the key word where we get our concept thank you, eucharistia, eucharisteo, it's not even in the letter. And if you're going to say thank you, that's pretty much the word you're going to use. So it's interesting that he doesn't do that. Why? Why? Well, let's read and find out. Verse 15. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Where's the thank you part? Where is it? And it's curious that he saves it to the end. He waits to the last, the last section of the letter. Why? Do you think Paul is grateful? Does it sound like he's grateful? Sure, you bet. But it's really interesting how he, how he frames his gratefulness in such a way that it points directly to God and not the Philippians. Very, very grateful unquestioned gratefulness, but it's framed and directed toward God and God's relationship with the Philippians and not with the Philippians themselves personally. It's also interesting in terms of vocab. You guys are really good on vocab. A lot of this is right out of the business world, giving, receiving, uh, language, profit, loss. This is right out of the accounting world of, uh, of, of Rome. And, and yet, it's also out of the social world because friends do giving and receiving as well. But it balances both the business world and the friendship world. So it's really interesting. Okay, so here's a couple comments. Let's walk through it. Um, you yourselves know, Philippians, that when I first began to preach the gospel, and that could be Acts 16 or Galatians 2, Randy, on when that first was. Is that when he started the Gentile mission? Galatians 2. Or is it when he started preaching in Macedonia 
in Philippi, which would be Acts 16, kind of don't know. But regardless, at the beginning point, no church shared with Paul in the matter of giving and receiving, the equilibrium of that, except the Philippian church, which is curious. He has received some gifts from other, other people, but it's uniquely uh, identified that it's the Philippians that were most supportive of him financially. And then even in Thessalonica, you send a gift more than what so possibly at least three significant gifts were delivered to Paul to fund the mission. And then where he could have said, you know, Eucharistia, I thank God for you and the way you've cared for me through the years. Thank you. He doesn't. He says, now you need to understand, I'm not seeking the gift. <laughs> the gift you just gave me, I'm really not seeking. It's not what it's about. I'm not seeking the gift. He's saying what I really am seeking is the profit which increases to your account. Accounting language, business language. What he's trying to say is, what's most important to me isn't that you gave me the gift, the money for my needs when I'm in jail. What's most important is your growth in your relationship to Christ. And the ability to take care of the body of Christ is a way that we grow up in Christ. And he said, that's what I'm focusing on. I want you to grow and mature and the spiritual benefit that you're going to get uh, when you face an accounting in heaven. But I've received everything in full. This is really beautiful language. I have an abundance. Notice this. I have, I am full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied. He's saying it repeatedly, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent. And then he borrows some Jewish language as well as cultic language from paganism in Rome when he said it's like a, a fragrant aroma. The Jews were not the only people to offer sacrifices. So he uses language they would appreciate. Uh, it's a fragrant aroma, like incense burning. It's like a sacrifice. It's acceptable. It's pleasing to God. And then he says, just like you've been generous with me, God is going to be generous with you. And my God, will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. The pronouns are interesting. Look at verse 19 right at the beginning. My God. It doesn't say our God. It doesn't say your God. It, and Paul is really deliberate with his pronouns. My God will supply all your needs. And then verse 20. Now to our God. He pulls back out and he says, hey, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then the language of inclusion and greeting typical of the Greco-Roman world. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, we have no idea who those people are. Uh, assistants, Timothy, Titus, we don't know. But they send greeting as well. All the saints greet you, especially of Caesar's household. That's fascinating. So let's, let's park there just for a minute. Do you remember what we covered last Sunday where the scripture says, Paul has learned to be content in all situations. That includes when he has an empty belly or a full belly. If the wallet's empty or the wallet's full, 
if he has all his needs met or he doesn't. He's learned to be content in all those situations because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. That's a, that's a, a major idea that Paul is trying to communicate. This is the secret of following Jesus. Now watch this. If he's chained to a Roman soldier and Paul is acting like a contented man, dial that in. He's chained to a soldier. He is facing a capital offense, a capital charge, potentially executed, to be executed on a capital offense. And he's acting like he's content. Do you think that would have an impact on a guard? Brian, you've seen what jails are like. You know. Are all the inmates pleasant, inmates pleasant and kind and grateful? But really, isn't that a shock? So what's one of the number one traits of per- people in prison? They're all not guilty, right? That's, one of the, that's what they all say. They're not guilty, right? So it's interesting that Paul, in this deep sense of contentment, is chained to a soldier. Interesting. And then he makes a comment that everybody's greeting you, the brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those of Caesar's household. Wow. What if a contented Paul got to the heart of a discontented soldier? Interesting. And that discontented soldier went to his superior, who was probably discontented, and up the chain to the point that Caesar's household began to have converts. Wow. Wow. Now let's, let's play the what-if game. What if Paul didn't have a contented spirit? What if he said to the prison, to the guard, you know how much I hate being chained to you? You know, we Jews hate Romans. Do you know that? We really are racist. Yeah, we hate Romans. And I hate you. And by the way, you have bad breath. And by the way, you're standing too close to me. I need more space. Where's my water? Really? You're just standing there, you're ignoring me? How rude. Romans are rude. Romans are rude. Can you imagine Paul acting that way? And then, and then Paul goes, um, oh, I, I guess i got to share the gospel with you because I'm about to write a letter. Um, you know, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> what do you think the soldier's going to do? And probably just turn his back to him while chained. While this... this Typical, bitter person delighting and complaining and blaming prattles on about how hard life is. Evidently, Paul didn't do that. And it led to an amazing statement that those, there are those of Caesar's household that are saying, tell the church at Philippi, hi for me. I think that's awesome. And look at this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I think that's beautiful. So let me give you some basic uh, summary statements, and then I want to turn it over to you. Not every church financially or materially supports Christian ministry. The church at Philippi was the only one that supported Paul. Equilibrium in giving and receiving is healthy and represents spiritual maturity. Um, What happens... You know, we've got precious little baby Evie here. And, and as far as you know, Caroline, uh, and, and, or not Caroline, but little Phoebe is here. And she's not, uh, you know, tearing down the walls or something. 
what happens to a kid if they always get their way? Anybody venture a guess? They will be spoiled and expected at all times. Yeah, yeah. They don't, yes, they don't know how to take the word no. Yeah, if, if we always get our way, something's wrong. If we never get our way, something's wrong. Well, in, not just in church, but just with people in general, there's some personalities that they're takers, they're receivers. They're really good at getting and taking, and they love the free stuff. And, and there's a time for that. And then there's those that give, and they give, and they give, and they give. Well, both extremes can be unhealthy. There needs to be a balance and a blending of giving and receiving. It's like breathing. you got to do both, okay? Or you'll burn out. It's completely unhealthy to be the one that always gives. It's completely unhealthy to be the one that always receives. If there's shared and mutual giving and receiving, it leads to spiritual maturity and leads to relational health. No one feels taken advantage of. Three, learning to say thank you in a way that promotes spiritual maturity is an important skill set. Uh, for whom are you grateful? I, I, I know God's been good to you. I know that. Are you grateful? Yes. How can you show appreciation and do it, away, do it in a way with spiritual discernment? How can you do that? What are some ways to do that? What about ongoing financial support, the work of missions and ministry? It really does please God. It's something that he is happy with. Um, this is a part of the core teaching that you need to get. Supporting the work of missions and ministry on earth is considered to be an investment in God's heaven. And God repays a generous follower of his son. In fact, it's really in the Gospels in several places. Randy, you know this. You're skilled in that. You and Nedra store for yourselves treasures in heaven. That there's this idea of that giving on earth has a spiritual component to it, an eternal component. And the idea that Paul is trying to communicate is that as you are generous on earth with me and my needs in, in jail, my God will supply and be generous to you and meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Just a couple more. Let's close this out. Uh, a self-emptied life dedicated to caring for people and bringing glory to God is the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. Bringing God glory is critical to who we are. And just as being wisely thankful is an important life skill for Christians, so is giving greetings to every saint in Christ Jesus. We have a deep need for inclusion, affirmation, deep need for that. Uh, it's a profound need that we have psychologically. We need, to, we need eye contact. We need to hear our names spoken. We need this as, as believers. It's another life skill that we should develop. Uh, the reference to Caesar's household demonstrates Paul could act with contentment in any circumstance, especially in front of discontented soldiers. We all need the grace of Jesus in the place inside of us called our spirit. I believe that we are spirit, soul, and body. It's a bit of a mystery. Some say the spirit and the soul are somehow the same. They make two parts. I see three. But grace is needed in our spirit. Okay? 
Let me develop that just for a minute. Um, all of us have what is called uh, a core script. All right, this is, this is the deep voice in your head. All right, it's the voice you hear when you look at the mirror in the morning. When, when you see yourself for the first time, it's like, oh boy, <laughs> oh man, I am aging. Or uh, it's going to be a bad hair day. Whatever it is you say to yourself. That's a part of your core script. That little voice inside your head that, that causes you to believe or express that you are good or bad. That you are worthy or unworthy. That no matter what you do, it's always wrong. And I could go on and on. You get the idea. Whatever that deep place is inside of us, we need grace right there. We need grace, which is the ability to receive the good things from God that God offers through His Son, not based on works, but based on faith. Because as you all know, uh, just like you can give a gift with bad motives, and just like you can give thank yous with bad motives, sometimes you can do the right thing in the eyes of God and your motives are rotten. Even when you do the right thing physically, you're making yourself shake the hand, whatever it is, you know your motives can really be bad. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I know you've heard it, it's been, it's been told you, you were taught that you shall do no murder. I say to you, do not hate. Because if you have a brother and you hate them, you've already committed murder in your heart. And so we might say, hey, I've not killed anybody, so I'm a good person. But your heart motives can be absolutely rotten. I'm just telling you, in me, in the voice in my head, my, my heart, I need grace in that very important place inside of me called my spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right. Wow. <laughs> you are the gifted body of Christ. His spirit is inside of you. You have gifts. Take ownership of this. If we can pull this out of the jail cell 800 miles away in Rome and take it to where it hits us in our life right here, right now, why is this text so important? And why would this text bring out maturity in us? How do we live it out? You're the church. And those online, please uh, ask a question, post a comment, respond. How do we live this out and move it from the jail cell in Rome to right here in North Little Rock? Questions or comments? Christchurch, take ownership. How do we live it out? What's important? started tithing even when 
I felt like I couldn't really afford it, that's when my needs were met. Yeah. And um, I see that in how he's talking to the church of Philippi, Thessalonica. And I, I see that not every church does support mission work, but I think that's also what the Church of Philadelphia does. It supports mission work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I do see that God does yeah. supply all of our needs yeah. when we are faithful to Him. Yeah. In doing it in in a heart of just that's what He wants us to do. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Janice. And by the way, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that Christians uh, abuse God's word, right? Uh, man, I think of televangelists, TV preachers, and I think, oh my goodness, the corrupting and the polluting of, of the gospel and the, 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 um, the wealth, the prosperity gospel. It's just, it's horrible in the taking advantage of people and uh, it's heartbreaking. That will never happen here, certainly under my watch. Um, and so it is a sensitive matter, Janice. It really is. Yeah. By the way, let me put you on the spot. What do you think it means that God will supply all your needs? Does that include the bass boat? Then what does it mean? Needs, not your wants. Okay, needs, not wants. All right, anybody else? And according to his riches and glory. Ah, Okay, so where? Where's the warehouse? <laughs> where is the warehouse where those riches are stored in glory? Where is it? Is it here on earth? Heaven? It appears. Okay. I agree, and I do not speak Jawa. You and Phoebe need to have a conversation. <laughs> so he's not talking about Walmart? Excuse me, Target. Thank you for the chuckle. Thank you, thank you. Target, for those of us that are really cultured. Um, yeah, what, what, if, what if all of the needs will be met, but not necessarily on earth? When you read the full sweep of both the old, but let's just narrow it down, just the New Testament, are there believers in the New Testament that don't have all their earthly needs met? Boy, you bet, Stormy. Wow. I mean, like, to the point that we would say, there's no way I want that. That's how hard it can get. So it's a little deceptive to think that we get to open the Christmas presents early. And I'm sure in a crowd of this size, no one sneaks and tries to look at the presents early and, and put the tape back just perfectly. No one's ever done that, right? We don't get to open the presents early. We can't do that. And where and how Apache chooses to express that it's up to him. Does he give good things on earth? First Timothy six seventeen. He's given us all things to richly enjoy. Does he do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, God was kind to me. Number one, Lisa's my wife. That's a gesture of kindness from God. But uh, with a little bit of arm twisting, uh, we worked on the sugar cookies yesterday, and I managed to get her to to take them to the threshold of burning which is exactly how a sugar cookie should be cooked. And little resistance, but we worked through it. And so I am richly blessed and amply supplied. I have a tin of a bunch of cookies, and they're good. 
especially with coffee. So yeah, God gives us good things right here, right now. Um, Rebecca is uh, great with child. She's in the 12th month, and she will hopefully <laughs> deliver very soon. And I hope there's room for the end. And, uh, and, and, um, and when that precious baby gets here, I'm going to say that's one of the best things that could have happened to me on earth. Good things happen on earth. But if I think God owes me heaven now, I've missed, completely missed what it means to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, heaven's going to be awesome, okay? I mean, it's going to really be awesome. All right, I'm doing too much talking. You're the church. Own this thing. Stephen online or somebody. Patrick. I would say that when we look at the grace of Christ, it allows us to accept the fact that we can have hope, that it's okay to receive gifts. It's okay to accept the fact that there are things on earth that are good. Uh, as Christians, it's easy for us to say, you know what, the world's full of sin because of creation or because of you know, Eden, so everything's a mistake until we die, until we're with Jesus. And that's a partial state, partial true state. But there are beautiful things about earth. There are beautiful things about creation. The first and foremost, which is us, <laughs> the height of God's creation, people. And what I think this passage speaks to is the fact that we should recognize both. We should recognize that the relationships we have with each other and the giving and receiving of affirmation and gifts and things that we have to have that balance for allow us to recognize the bigger balance of knowing that God's creation is God's creation. It's not an oops, my bad, let's wait a while until the real creation actually starts. And it's hard for us to accept both, but you can live with both of those truths. And I think that that balance allows us to be able to, uh, the core of that is the grace of Christ that allows mm-hmm. us to say, look, yes, there's the already and there's also the not yet. Both are true statements. Yeah. I can't wait to be <coughs> just like Paul, but I know that there are good things here that God still has for me to fulfill according to his purpose, mm-hmm. whether it's being a loving husband to my wife or being a loving father to my child, or whether it's being a mentally healthy person to the people around me so that I can be constant with them, mm. so that I can be consistently balanced and I'm not ebbing and flowing so that they can see that constant balance in me so that they can latch on to that and mm. that through that they can see Jesus. I think those are things that are on earth that we can appreciate and value. We don't have to deny those things because we know that eventually something better is coming. Now that we can be both. Yeah. Pat, you, you answered so very, very well. And in a word, we have hope. We do. We have hope. One day. Yes, Joe. I'm pretty sure Paul is the only writer in the New Testament to record a command of Christ not in the Gospels. Or a statement maybe where he says, as our Lord said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Yeah, Acts 20. I would suspect that a lot of people here are like me. And that every other church you've ever attended, giving is the thing that comes after communion. Or if you don't have community every week, it's the thing that's there every week. You're going to get jabbed with a collection plate every time you go. And I struggled a long time with, with giving because a sardonic mind interpreted it as, oh, they just got to pay the bills. Here comes a plate again. Drop the check in, pay the bills. It's cold, cold as a mother-in-law's kiss. Real giving is meeting needs, and you see the need, and you go in your pocket and 
Yeah. And it's a, it's it's got a personal connection to it. You know who you're giving to. Maybe you don't know specifically, but you know there's a need out there. Yeah. You're going into your pocket, maybe even into what you're going to do that week to take care of somebody else. You know exactly what's going on. That's first century New Testament. It's not paying for the building and for the 55 uh, staff members or whatever we got and whatever. It's immediately taking care of people. Yeah. And when I began to be able to do that, which is here, to be quite frank, it made it a lot easier. Yeah. And a lot more rewarding to get. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, these scriptures now take on new life for me because I know what real good is supposed to be. It's not dropping the money in the plate. You get just enough to get to 10%, you're not going to get a nickel more kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's so good. Um, Tammy, not going to put you on the spot too bad. Um, Tammy, when you do... Tammy, by the way, is the care manager at Grace Cancer Clinic. And she's like, she's the voice and she's the first person that they go to to get started for therapy. Um, when Tammy, when they ask for about money, what do you get to say? I get to say that they don't have to worry about that because... Yeah, yeah, it, it's really beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, some cry, I think. Some you, cry. Yeah. yeah. Some, some just do the, wow, you're kidding, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. just Yeah, exactly. And it's not uncommon when someone sees me, she scheduled them, them to see me, and it's the first, like the meet and greet, and we're going to talk. And I tell them, you need to understand, someone has paid for your hour. And they go, what? And they go, yes, your hour has been paid for. You don't owe, you don't have to pay a standard rate of 175. Somebody's paid that for you. And they're overwhelmed. And I'm telling you, a lot of people don't have the money to get the care they need. Christchurch, because you are generous, that happens. And it's amazing what happens. Um, someone else, yeah, Stephen, someone online? Yeah, a few comments online. Nancy Britton says, it is important for us to give, but the glory should always go to God. Sabrina Coleman, God is a loving father with perfect wisdom. He gives good and perfect gifts to his children based on what uh, he'll accomplish for his plans for us. And then Jennifer Burgess says, I see a connection between giving and receiving, as described here in both parts of the greatest commandment, which is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Giving primarily honors God while showing love to others. Receiving is an opportunity to accept love from God as sent through people. Mm. Mm. So good. Jennifer, thank you. Sabrina, thank you. Uh, by the way, Sabrina does uh, counseling in Jonesboro, does a fantastic job and cares for a lot of people. Thank you, Sabrina. Uh, Nancy, thank you for being a part of this. And yes, it is about the glory of God. Absolutely. So someone else. Yes, Andrew. I would like to take a part of the Philippians for just a little bit. So, I mean, Paul has Christians around him. I mean, even people who are in Caesar's household. So he's not totally starving. Okay. Right. But, but the part of the Philippians is, is that they have this love that's welled up in them. And they have so much gratefulness that they cannot They, they risk someone's life to give this, to 
To give a gift to someone that they know always refuses gifts from anybody else. This is not an easy person to give to give things to. He's a miserable person to give things to. <laughs> Actually, mean, you're on to it, Andrea. You he's really mean are. to the Corinthians yep. Yep. about this issue. Yep. And so they, and he has to receive a gift from somebody who risked his life for him, and then he says to them, well, I, I, I know how to do without. So, uh, really, I mean, what this points to is that part of who we are is that we will have an overwhelming love for someone, and we will want to just be so compelled yeah. to walk 800 <clears throat> miles to give something to somebody who's almost too embarrassed to take it, and just ashamed. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Who comes to us and gives us the magnificent gift of himself, and we're so ashamed to take it. Like Peter saying, God loads, Jesus loads up the boats with the fish, and they're sinking. And Jesus just says, go away from me, I can't. Yeah. Take this. Can't take the gift. Yeah. Gift. Yeah. Andrew, you've given such insight to this. Thank you. What's interesting, and you quoted a lot of scholars in that, by the way, and I'm grateful for you. But does Paul say that he loves the Philippians? It's all through the letter, except at the thank you section, which is so interesting. Now, let me, let me develop it just a little bit. Andrew really, really brought an insight. Do you know what happened to Paul at Corinth? Anybody know? Can you connect the dots? He began to receive financial support at Corinth. Now, this is a church that's very immature, by the way. And at that point, a contractual obligation formed based on Greco-Roman social convention. And Pam, the deal is this. If, if they pay Paul, Paul receives it, guess what they get to do to Paul? Tell him what to teach. Telling the preacher what kind of sermons he's going to write. Maybe that will get it, dial it in. It's, fine. it's called a, a redder. You can hire an in-house teacher, but you have the authority to tell them what to teach on. Do you think that set well with Paul? Nobody tells Paul what to teach on. Nobody. And so things went sideways at Corinth, and I, I think, Andrea, that Paul probably moved to a new policy that I'm not going to receive gifts because there's too many misunderstandings, and I will not be socially obligated and held in bondage. I will not be hijacked by a gift. I'm not going to let a gift hijack me. I would rather be poor and have a pure gospel than get hijacked by somebody's generosity. Linda? That exists in churches today. You think? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And you know what, Linda, one of the safest things I can do, which I think maybe sometimes isn't so popular, is to teach through a book. You know why? Because that's, that's God's agenda at that point. If I don't and I go topical, can we, let's get real personal. There is a tendency in the pastor to find out what the problems are and make that the outline for the next sermon. And if you go down that path, and it's so tempting sometimes, 
now we're picking on things, and that means we're picking on people, and now they've got hurt feelings, and oh boy, here we go. But when you just teach God's word and you let the Holy Spirit do God's agenda, hey, I'm loving that. That's my safe place. That's the grace place for me. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, at that point. So you all, this is beautiful. Thank you so very, very much. Uh, Stephen, anybody else online? Uh, thank you for being a part of this online. And I know the hour's late. Um, it has been beautiful to walk through this letter. Uh, by the way, Andrea, the most affectionate language found in the New Testament is written by Paul to this church. And yet when it comes right down to that fine point of being thankful about the gift, Paul takes a step back because I think he got burned at Corinth and maybe some other places, uh, maybe the Galatian church. And uh, so wisdom learned, wisdom gained on how to give a gift wisely, how to thank wisely with the goal of building the kingdom of God, advancing the work and giving God glory uh, is, is very wise. So, all right. And we're going to get to give a gift and share the gospel this Christmas. Um, thank you so much. It's been kind. I want to pray and ask God's favor on us right now. Lord, thank you for what you've accomplished in me and how you've encouraged me with Philippians. And I pray that right now our hearts are ready to say thank you to you and to worship. Abba, Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.